you know, for some brands, I, I think it's, it can be a little bit of a jarring experience to, to suddenly be in that world where you have people that are talking to you and maybe they're not even saying the nicest things about your brand. Maybe they are, you, you never know, but, you know, to be able to really um, navigate that space and figure out, you know, how to be responsive in the right way and how to really drive conversations in the right way. And a lot of that does come down to being relatable. Episode 55 with Sloan Kelly. She's the head of content for Nine Roofs Marketing. Before that, she was the managing director content and creative services for the USTA, which is the United States Tennis Association. Before that, she spent nearly six years with the PGA Tour, finishing as the vice president of content. Folks, if you are enjoying the content that you're getting here on the Winning at Work podcast, please like it, share it, make a comment. Now, in this episode, you're going to really dive pretty deep into her mind of content, audience identification, strategy, budget, platforms that you should use if you're B2C or B2B, as well as let's say you need to hire someone for your creative, for your marketing team. How do you do that? How do you uh, assess that person? Sloan's going to share that information with us. Sit back, enjoy, and get ready to totally take control of your content on social media. Sloan, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I think because it's easier now to track information and the success rate that campaigns are having, I would argue is probably one of the best times to be in a creative type of environment or career because it's easier to sell results to a CMO. It used to be that marketing would pull a tear out to get its budget because no one could really point to results. You know, I think now it's easier to, to kind of point to, no, we spent this much money and here's, here's the lift we got from it. Yeah. I mean, you know, from a, a technology perspective, absolutely. Those capabilities are out there. Um, but I think it's been interesting and, and having spent, you know, some time on, on the client side over the last, you know, eight or so years of, of my career. Um, I think one of the interesting challenges, and I remember talking about this a lot with my, my former teammates at the PGA tour, we were gathering a ton of, of data in house, but like how to truly make sense of it and and ladder it back up to business objectives. You know, yes, the technology can help you gather that information, but actually, you know, having the the right questions that you're asking and and the right um, people and, and skill sets, you know, whether that's um, an external company that you're working with or you have people internally, like you you have to, you know, it, it's not like the the technology just sort of delivers you this result. You really do have to be able to interpret it and figure out what it means for for the business. So it's definitely an interesting time, um, I think, to be uh, working in this space. It's definitely an exciting one. And with my specialty in, in the social media world, you know, certainly I, I'm no stranger to kind of looking at data to, to help inform what we're doing. Um, but it, it comes down to that those same, like asking that the right questions and really being able to be 
a little bit thoughtful about what you're doing. And, and the beauty of social is that you can adjust it as you go. You know, you, you see that something's not working, you can change it right away. I love that you, you just have this clear, calm sense about how to go about delivering results. It just, I, I guess it's just, it's just your style. I, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot because I think anyone who worked at the PGA Tour, you know, well, anyone on the outside looking at someone who worked, in your case, vice president of content for the PGA Tour, that just looks like in an amazing role, you know, supporting um, a corporate, is it considered a corporation? Well, I mean, what, what's that? Cons- it's a, what is <laughs> yeah. it called? Actually? It's a good question. Um, so, I mean, it technically the, the PGA tour is set up as uh, a nonprofit entity. It is a, a member organization that represents the interests of all of the, you know, professional um, athletes that are, are part of the PGA tour. But the interesting thing about working there is that, and, and kind of the very rewarding thing, frankly, is that every single um, tournament throughout the course of a season is actually raising uh, money for local charities in, in the communities where those tournaments are happening. So there's a very real impact to the work that you're doing, um, and it's a sizable one. And I, I think you know, there's something to be said for that, that, you know, you can actually um, see a real impact of the things that, that you're doing that sometimes you might feel a little bit removed from. But part of my role there in um, overseeing content for the tour was also trying to identify some of those very compelling and sometimes very inspiring uh, stories of, of people who were impacted in, in very positive ways by the efforts of, um, of those, those charitable donations in those communities. And, and that's, I think there's a lot of power in that and understanding, yes, you know, this is a sports league. It's very entertaining and exciting to tune in to um, PGA Tour uh, golf every week, but knowing that there's also like a, a connection to the greater good, um, just as an employee there was, I think, very exciting. You know, you've just kind of sparked some new ideas in me. Your background as an expert in social media, of course, that's our topic today is, you know, how to create a a smart and strategic social media strategy. This kind of flows into it because on the one hand, I'm going to talk about the tour just because you were just kind of mentioning it, but you have individual players and they all have an individual story. Then you've got these charities that the PGA Tour is supporting. I don't know how that works particularly, but then you've got all the different media outlets, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, you know, so on and so forth, that you're tying these, I guess, stories into to, to drive, you know, viewers and also to raise awareness for these charities. Was that a specific strategy to kind of tie the the player with the charity. I'm just kind of curious how all that came together. Yeah. I mean, I mean, from that charitable lens, you know, it was probably, I think what we were trying to aim for, um, you know, probably my last couple of years there was, was really to try to find the, the most sort of compelling stories. I mean, we actually could have delivered charitable storytelling probably, you know, every week, every day of the year, but we wanted to be very purposeful and, you know, finding things that we thought would really break through and make an impact. And 
often, you know, there could be a, a player tied into it. Sometimes maybe not quite as much. It would depend a little bit on, on the story, but, um, you know, I'm thinking of one example, uh, you know, probably from the last year or two that I was with the tour, we had invested, um, you know, a lot and had really been a very early adopter of, of virtual reality technology and, and trying, frankly, to test a lot in that space because, you know, this is going all the way back to probably 2015 or so that we were really starting to get into this. But even today, it's, you know, I know that's like six years ago from today, but it, it still is a newer technology. People are still trying to figure out what works in that space. And one of the things that that we tried out was telling a story of uh, a patient who had been at St. Jude uh, Children's Hospital, which um, there's a that's a very big um, connection point for, for the tour back then with um, FedEx, which is obviously a hugely important, um, you know, corporate relationship to the tour as well. And we were able to, to get um, this just wonderful, um, you know, boy, I, I, he was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old, out on the golf course with, with a, a favorite player of his. And, you know, just kind of told his story, but also kind of woven a little bit of that player connection and, and some elements around um, the game. And it was just, it was a different way to experience a story and feel like you were very immersed in it, um, which, you know, that's really kind of the nature of that technology. Um, that might be a more involved <laughs> example of that kind of storytelling, but, you know, it just goes to show, I think, the level of um, creativity and, and innovation that um, has been such a part of, of the PGA Tour um, not just when I was there, but I've been so impressed by seeing the things that they've done uh, since I left as well. They're, they're continuing to push the envelope, which, which is tremendous. Well, the reason I brought that up is because as, when I think about brands and brand marketing, what is memorable to me, what makes an emotional connection is when I see a story, a personal story that I can relate to. And I'd love to hear your thoughts as we kind of dive into this topic of, you know, how to create a smart strategic social media strategy, you know, the, the actual fundamental principles of, of brand marketing, because that's what the listeners here who are in food and beverage, or maybe they're in another type of brand, you know, they are embarking on, they need to launch and to, to start managing a uh, social media strategy. And I think if you just set off to just talk about the brand, I mean, you kind of, I think people kind of tune out. <laughs> right. Definitely. Yeah. It, you know, I always remind people that it's called social media for a reason, you know, like if, if you walked into a room and you just started, you know, talking all about yourself or, or, you know, shouting about your product, like people would probably tune that out and they probably wouldn't <laughs> want throw to spend you out. A whole, yeah, right. <laughs> They're not going to spend a lot of time with you, but you know, social media is inherently social. It, it should be conversational. It should be just as much, if not even more about the audience that, that you're involved with than, you know, yourself. So that two-way dialogue is incredibly important. And, you know, for some brands, I, I think it's, it can be a little bit of a jarring experience to, to suddenly be in that world where you have people that are talking to you and maybe they're not even saying the nicest things about your brand. Maybe they are, you, you never know, but, you know, to be able to really um, navigate that space and figure out, 
you know, how to be responsive in the right way and how to really drive conversations in the right way. And a lot of that does come down to being relatable. Um, certainly there's a place for, you know, educating people about your product or your service. Um, but again, finding the right way to do it. So, you know, you're not coming across as sort of, um, you know, the, the person walking into the room and talking up about themselves. Yeah, just shouting with with a megaphone that no one you know <laughs> wants to hear. Well, so you're the expert in this category, so why don't you just kind of walk us through? I don't know if it's best for us to use an example, a um, or a guinea pig. I mean, I'd be happy to say, <laughs> hey, how would we market a podcast? Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> uh, kind of walk us through. How would we do something like this? Yeah. So you know it like a lot of things in the marketing space, it, it definitely starts with the right strategy. And, and you want to ask a lot of uh, questions, you know, before you get started. Uh, number one, let's figure out what you're trying to achieve. Are, are there any core objectives that are, you know, incredibly important to your brand? Um, who's your audience or your audiences, uh, as the case may be? And, the answers to those questions should inform the platforms where you're ultimately going to be active and also the types of content that you're creating. And, and what I'm getting at, you know, you, maybe you are more of a B2B company, you know, and you're trying to achieve awareness or leads or things of that nature. And your audience is going to be vastly different than, you know, maybe it's a CPG that's selling things to consumers. Um, it, it's it's going to take you down different paths and there are different types of social platforms that may lend themselves, you know, better to one type of an objective or one type of an audience versus another. And I always caution there too, is, is that it's, I think, really important to remember that as a brand, you don't have to be active on every single platform out there. You know, I think I would much rather see a brand or recommend to a brand that like, you know, you pick one or a couple where you really can make the most impact with your audience. And, you know, you've got to, as you're kind of thinking about which platforms, you've also got to think about the amount of time that it's going to take to manage those communities, which that could include everything from creating and, and publishing the content, uh, which can take a significant time investment um, to also being an active participant in the conversations. And I think sometimes, um, you know, there is a tendency with the social media space for those that, you know, maybe don't work in it every day, like, like I do, that there's a confusion sometimes around the ease of publishing on the platforms, that there's a confusion there with like the skill that's actually required to really do the work. And I think part of that is so many people have their own personal social accounts that they just assume it's, it's like just as easy to maintain a really well done brand social account, just like it is, you know, your personal Instagram or, or, you know, what have you. Um, so those are some of the initial things that, that I always like to point out. And, you know, if you're picking one or two places to be active, it's not that you are only going to be active there, but as you get into this, um, you can also give thought to like, you know, all right, I, I've got things really rolling well on that one platform that I set up. It's going great. There is a business case to add an additional platform. Um, you can always add stuff on. I think it's harder to like spread yourself too thin out of the gate. Well, I'm glad you said that you should pick one to start with or one or two to start with because it is a little overwhelming when you look across 
Well, just when I just look at your LinkedIn profile, I can just see you've listed like seven or eight, you know, platforms. And I, I think brands or companies have a hard time figuring out, well, what content should I put there and what's relevant to that channel? Um, you and I use LinkedIn quite a bit. Is that a channel that you've, that you found you've had some success with? Yeah. I mean, I think LinkedIn, um, it's a great place again, probably for more of that, like B2B type of, um, of audience. Um, but it, it can definitely be very effective. And, you know, again, you want to think about what you're trying to achieve for a lot of companies out there, uh, which this makes sense. It's what LinkedIn is all about. It, you know, is a great place to recruit. Um, and, you know, you can show how unique your company is, what the culture is like, um, you know, what the people are like, all different aspects of that that might get a, pers a perspective uh, employee interested in applying to your open jobs or to working with you at some point in the future. Um, and then beyond that too, you know, there's often great ways on LinkedIn just to demonstrate your expertise in a particular vertical, uh, that certainly can help, uh, from a recruiting perspective, but it, it might also even be interesting for some of your prospective, uh, customers. So LinkedIn certainly can work well, I think in those types of situations. Uh, whereas, you know, something like, uh, TikTok, for example, maybe, maybe there's a role there for, for your B2B customer. There's definitely examples of, of brands that are, um, that are trying that, the TikTok space. Um, but I think at the moment it's, you know, we've certainly seen a lot more adoption of, of, uh, brands that are going, you know, straight to consumers with a particular product or, you know, an entertainment brand, um, or even, you know, one of my favorite follows on the platform, the Washington Post, which, um, you know, my, I think probably if I'd heard that in the very early days of TikTok that I was going to love following the Washington Post on, on the platform, I would have been like, what? But they, you know, they have truly embraced um, the very different nature of that platform. And they've created an entertaining way to uh, consume the news. Yeah, I, you know, we probably should get a, a hot list of some of your other follows. That just kind of threw a little uh, a, a alarm bell off in my head. Like we could probably learn a lot, right, just from finding some of these cool brands and what they're doing. Because certainly, copying someone else is a it's a it's a compliment, you know, and it also kind of gets you moving in the right direction. So you mentioned B two B is you're going to have different platforms than uh, a CPG company. So let's just take a brand, for example, and I've interviewed and had a lot of uh, food service and food brands on the podcast. So let's just say it's a, well, you're doing some work with a wine company. So you could say it's a beverage, right? So what are some strategies? Let's say if you were just a, a beverage company, you've got a new brand, a new line extension, you're trying to, you know, start off, which, um, which platforms do you think would, would probably be most effective? Yeah. I mean, you know, without, I guess, maybe having a lot of specifics, but we could think about it in some general terms. Um, Facebook and Instagram, you know, I know people probably get tired of hearing about them sometimes, but there's good reason that they often rise to the top in recommendations. And one of those reasons is, is truly, you know, your ability to really lean into not only your organic presence on those platforms, but also your ability to really make a good impact um, from a paid perspective. And 
that can come down to, you know, leveraging a lot of their, um, their tools to really make sure that you're reaching the right type of audience with your messaging. Um, so that's certainly a place that, you know, would be likely to pop up on my radar. Um, sometimes, uh, Twitter can be a great place. Um, not necessarily for every brand, um, the B2B space, I think it, it can be fantastic, but in this CPG new beverage product example, um, I would probably recommend Twitter if there were, let's say a live, uh, event component, let's say that this brand, um, has decided that they're going to take a really active role in, um, concerts that might not be the best example as we're still in COVID time. I know. And I'm, um, and I put you on the spot too, but it's, I I like kind of walking through uh, an example. It kind of helps frame it up in someone's mind. Definitely. But you know, Twitter is that place for, for real time uh, content. So let, maybe we'll say sports instead of a, a concert because certainly like a baseball game or something. Yeah. Like you are our sponsor. You're an official sponsor of a, of a baseball team. Um, you know, sports is a a very hot topic across Twitter and it does unfold in real time. So it's possible that that, that brand could, um, you know, have some good benefit from, from being, uh, in a space like that as well. Um, the other great thing about Twitter, even, you know, even for brands that perhaps are not creating, um, a ton of content there, it does often serve a very important customer service channel. And I'm sure for a lot of people listening at some point, you know, they've gone to to Twitter to ask a brand a question or uh, to complain about something. Um, And that is uh, sort of an expectation these days, you know, that you do uh, have that channel available for people to communicate with you. So that's another um, thing to factor in. Um, TikTok, of course, has been the, I would, you know, the, the darling of uh, a lot of brands over the last year and change. Um, and it can be, I think, another really effective platform. I will point out that, you know, it does, um, and this sometimes can be a little bit jarring for brands, but as you're creating content, it's so imperative that you're really creating content specifically for the platform. And that's true with Facebook. It's true with Instagram. It's true with Twitter. And TikTok is one of those where if you are, are getting it a little bit wrong or coming across as maybe a little too polished or too selly, it, it trying too hard, trying too hard is a good way of putting it. It can be a little jarring in the TikTok experience. So, um, you meaning the feedback that you get and the uh, trolling that will occur (laughs) that you're being nice, but you're saying you're going to get trolled. That could happen, um, or you're just not even going to be relevant, you know. And, and who wants yeah. to put a lot of effort in and, and not um, and not see relevant? So, whatever platform you're playing in, it's important that you have a really great, um, you know, understanding of what the space is like, what the conversations are like. And in the world of both Twitter and TikTok, so much of that um, does revolve around topics that are trending, and that can be great opportunity too for, for your brand in the right moments or the right topics. Um, sometimes there can be some fun uh, ways to really kind of tie into those, uh, those topics, but you've got to be there. You've got to be an active listener at the very least to be able to identify those, those moments. Do you think it would be, or, or do you think brands actually like on a weekly or monthly basis, they go out and they actively search like what are the trends 
on those platforms or have, and then they go back and try to create or jump on kind of ride the wave? I think that the brands that do it well, absolutely are keeping an eye on those things and they are doing it on a daily basis. Um, you know, their, their social teams are keeping an eye on what's happening and they are, are looking out for ways, um, that they might be able to participate in those conversations. Uh, and not every single one of them is going to work for every brand, but if you're not listening and really it does have to be daily because these trends are moving all the time. Um, you've got to be nimble in, in this space if, if you're going to do it well. So absolutely. And, you know, that's where you see brands like Chipotle um, very often uh, getting attention for things that they might be up to because they certainly are, are a brand that um, keeps a close eye on that. Certainly in the sports space and um, sorry to keep going back to sports. I've, I've spent a lot of my career there, but um, but definitely, you know, sports are a huge part of entertainment and pop culture and absolutely, you know, you see, uh, leagues and teams, um, that are consistently jumping in on those, those trends as well. Well, maybe the million dollar question is what size company do you need to be that you start creating a budget and bringing this in-house or, frankly, going you know outside of your company and picking an agency like, oh, I don't know, Nine Rooftops Marketing <laughs> to start helping manage that brand. Where's that breaking point? What do you think? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, you know, if, if you're going to be active in the social space, I always try to be clear that frankly, you need a budget like at some like really, I think at any any level, and, and that budget is going to be different for every company. You know, if, if you're a, a small mom and pop and, you know, you're, you're active on, on one platform and maybe you're able to handle things in-house, you still need to be carving time out of someone's schedule to be able to, to handle that, that workload because it is work. And I, I think that, again, that, that ease of publishing is often confused with, the amount of time it truly takes to do things well. So um, that I think for any brand, you've got to carve some level of, of budget out and whether that's budget in the form of people time or, you know, working with an external partner or some combination of the two um, it it's important to, to set that out from, from the get go. Well, let's say I was gonna, let, let's say I decided that I, I need to hire someone for content. I need, I need to hire a social person, for example, I have no idea what that would cost. Right. Are we talking about, is this, and of course it depends on what part of the country they're in, but I mean, and I guess kids, kids, sorry, <laughs> young professionals <laughs> coming out of college, they, you know, have, they can have marketing degrees and want to go into this field. So I guess perhaps you could hire someone right out of school and, you know, drop 45, 50 K, I guess that's the minimum starting point. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, certainly, you know, if you have, um, you know, enough social marketing work to warrant a full-time hire, um, you know, you'll, you'll want to figure out, you know, are you comfortable, um, with hiring somebody right out of school? Um, I've certainly gone that route with a lot of the teams that I've managed. Um, 
you know, or, you know, do you want someone that's more seasoned? Do you need a little bit more expertise? Um, you know, and, and this, again, sometimes, um, you know, I'll see conversations occasionally popping up and, and there's an assumption that anyone that is running social for a brand must be an intern or straight out of college. And certainly they can be, you know, certainly like, again, I've, I've hired a lot of people right out of school. I've worked with tremendous interns, but, you know, there's also a lot of people in the space, um, you know, like, like myself or, or others that have been on my teams who've been here for well over a decade. In my case, it's probably 15 years and change. Don't date yourself now, Sloan. Easy. Myself, true. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let the (laughs) illusion exist. Um, But I guess my point is that, you know, uh, it, it does, I think, take a good bit of expertise to do things well. So, you know, you've got to think about what your specific need is and you know, if you do need that, that level of expertise, certainly that's where an external partner might be a more cost efficient way versus, you know, having to hire a lot of people in house. Um, but you know, I've worked in, in both, um, in both situations. So I've kind of seen it all. I've, I've been, you know, at the brand where, you know, you're hiring the in-house team and, Quite honestly, even then, you're often still finding the need um, to go out for some type of expertise that you might not readily have uh, at your fingertips. Um, or, you know, you like I've, I've also spent time in the, the agency side and, and figuring out how to really support brands in, in a lot of different ways. And sometimes it's a brand coming in and saying, hey, we need everything from like start to finish with, with help for our social, or it's coming in and saying, Hey, actually like we, you know, we have people in house that are doing some things. We just need help with this one aspect. You know, we need help with community management or content creation, um, or whatever it might be. So there's a whole lot of different ways that you can structure it again, depending on kind of going back to those initial questions and what you're trying to, to really achieve, um, and thinking about what, sort of budget and resources you have available to do it. Those are some of the most important questions to, to, to answer that will really kind of help you figure out what to do. Let me ask a dumb question then. Uh, wouldn't every brand, the, the purpose be to increase sales? I, I mean, I, of course you can tell me, no, Tony, of course that's not it. They want to create awareness. They want to do something else, but I mean, don't think at the end of the day, just why would you not want a sales to increase? I guess that's my question. I mean, isn't that the obvious? That's what we want to achieve. Sure. Yeah. Probably at it, at its most basic, but you might have different types of businesses are out there that are out there. Um, you know, I think about like the PGA tour world and, you know, it probably, it's a little bit more nuanced because I think it's more of an entertainment product at the end of the day. It might not be a sale that you're driving, although in some cases it it could be. Um, but it might be more about you know bringing people into the game, getting them excited to tune into a broadcast, or getting them excited about a particular player. And that might not be that literal sale, but it's just a different business model. So um, you know, it, it, again, I think it is important to sort of think about those, those questions and, and really kind of understand that, you know, I think social can do, um, it can do a lot of different things depending on, on what your priority objective is. I think listening to you kind of walk through all the nuances, 
you know, if, if you're a small business or if you're a, a kind of a, a brand that's trying to compete against bigger brands, if you hire someone right out of school, you're, I, th- I think you're probably getting limited resources with that, with that professional. I'm kind of leaning back now toward it's probably better to, to spend your money with an expert. Why use your money to kind of train someone and put them on benefits when you could just roll half of those dollars over into a marketing budget and get very targeted, specific results? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think regardless of, you know, whether that person is, um, you know, coming out of school or they're more, you know, seasoned in their career, absolutely. Like you want to have someone with with expertise um, in whatever you're trying to do. And, you know, I don't want to discount the person right out of school because they might have some, you know, great piece of expertise to bring to the table. You know, maybe they've spent time um, building out a, an influential TikTok account and, and maybe there's something that you could really glean from the work that they've done there. Like I'm, I'm kind of making this up, but you get the idea. Um, well, you've so- hired a lot of these people and, and that's one of the other, you know, areas we wanted to discuss. We did want to have a little bit of a talent discussion. So this kind of flows into that and that's fine. So um, to your point, maybe this person was an intern and you can point to some very specific things that they accomplished in the channels that you believe you need to be in. And therefore it's maybe less risky. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, again, I've hired people probably all across different, um, you know, levels of, of experience. And, and I'll say that the, the one thing that has been consistent across all of the folks that I've, I've hired or, or had really good experiences working with is that, you know, there's been, maybe it's two things. They kind of go hand in hand, but there's been a great attitude um, and a great sense of creativity and openness. And the reason that I point to those specifically in the social space is that it's always changing. You know, what worked a year ago, a month ago, isn't necessarily what's going to work today. And I love that about social because it's just, you know, every day is, is different I'm a very curious person by nature. So there is this constant sense of always learning and always trying to really kind of find that next way to really break through and be innovative. And the people I think who find the most success and probably happiness, frankly, in in the social space are the people who have those just, you know, they are, are naturally very open um, to different things. They're not going to get scared or frustrated that a platform has changed its algorithm or, or come out with a new tool. Instead, that's going to be like, wow, like this was a great day to like get up out of bed and, and work on something different. Um, so I've always looked for that, that spirit of openness and, and creativity, regardless of whether someone was coming out of school or had been, been working, you know, for a lot of years. We could probably have a discussion on how do we verify or validate, you know, attitude, creativity, or openness. I I think attitude, at least for me, I see attitude very clearly. That that one kind of just jumps off the page at me. Maybe the creativity and openness maybe takes a little more delving into their backgrounds. Have you found any little tricks that work for you? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, 
this is a lot of years ago that I did this, but it, it's, I think, an interesting example <laughs> to keep in mind. Um, this was in the earlier days of, of Twitter, and I was um, agency side. And uh, the way that we actually recruited for a role was we asked people to tweet their application to us. And it was absolutely fascinating, um, the responses that we got back. And, and people like... You know, I think Twitter has changed a lot since then, but at the time, like people were so excited about this and it was incredible. The level of creativity that came through there, there was actually, um, a a guy who applied, uh, who was just about to graduate from, from, uh, university and he had created this video that was incredibly funny, number one. Um, but it, it spoke to not only his level of creativity and ability to create something pretty quickly, but it also showed his expertise in the social space. And he ended up getting the job. I mean, it wasn't just based on the tweet, but the tweet is what opened the door um, to interviewing. And, and you know, um, ultimately, you know, we decided he was going to be a great fit for the agency. And, and he was like, you know, he is probably, you know, really incredible, um, professional that I'm so glad that I had the chance to, to work with. Um, and he's gone on to do some fantastic things in his career. Um, but even beyond that, you know, like this is maybe not quite as specific as a a social media application, but, um, I brought, um, an incredibly talented woman on to the team at the PGA tour and, she, like me, I also didn't come from a golf background when I started there, but she didn't have um, a ton of, you know, experience in golf. That was not something that scared me or bothered me, but she she was so proactive in the interview process and showing how she was so excited about learning and, you know, she was um, getting a hold of different books and, and things like that to really begin to immerse herself in the PGA tour. And I was very impressed with, um, the level of, of work that she was willing to put into that. Um, and she's again, someone that it's been so exciting to see how far she's come along in her career. Um, and I, you know, I stay in touch with her still. She's just really incredible. Um, but you know, demonstrating that, that willingness to learn it, it, um, it just meant a lot. And, and I think it showed in, in the output of, of her work. I can imagine all the VP of sales who are listening to this and they've got to hire a sales rep and they're thinking of all the creative ways they could have the prospective salesperson sell something to them or do some live interaction to show them what they can do. Because that's what you're really telling us is Wherever you're hiring, you literally need to see that person in action and you have to find a cute, clever way to quickly screen the ones out who don't have that general skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, um, you know, there, there might be a simpler way of doing that than my, my Twitter application example. I but, love that though. Um, I yeah, think today you, you might use TikTok, you know, hey, send us your job absolutely. app on, on TikTok. Absolutely. And, you know, I think ultimately it's about seeing how somebody thinks, right? And there's probably a lot of different questions depending on your vertical or your line of work that, that you can ask to really get a, a handle on that. And, and even in the social space, you know, there, there's a lot of questions that, that I'll always try to kind of dig into with um, someone that I'm interviewing just to really get 
trying to get a sense of, of how, how they think and how they approach um, a, a situation. And, you know, if it's a, maybe it's a community manager, you know, in the social space and you're thinking about, you know, how would this person, um, you know, respond in the middle of a crisis, which can be really stressful and intense and how would they approach that? Sometimes they might have examples of, of things from their previous work experience to share, um, you know, but sometimes it's more of a, a general, you know, how would you approach this? Like if you were, you know, managing a, a community at a particular time and you saw a barrage of tweets popping up that had this particular complaint, you know, what would your, what would your first instinct be? What would you do? And, you know, hearing their response to that and, you know, in the VP of sales example, there's probably some type of a scenario like that, that you could paint to and, and just try to get a sense of how that person would, would respond. Yeah, that's great. And there's a lot of great advice in there. I still think I would go with an expert as I, as I think through all the, the challenges of picking the right platform, creating the content, getting your content in front of the right people, measuring that your content is actually being digested and that you're getting feedback and, you know, tying it into your website and all these things. I mean, there's a lot there. I think your original point was people don't understand just how complicated it is. I can tell you it's a lot of work for me just to do a podcast. You know, (laughs) people just, they open up iTunes, they go to Spotify, boom, click, and they listen to you know, one of the million podcasts that are out, there's a lot of hours that go into, to doing anything really well. And it's the same case in these socials. And to your point, it's not like just running your own Facebook page, you know, where you just want to share a photo, who cares? Mm -hmm. That's, that's not running a social media (laughs) campaign. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but you know, a lot of those questions or scenarios, I just walked through, you know, more in the hiring example, you know, if you're deciding to bring an outside consultant or agency in, a lot of those questions are, are still very relevant for them to answer because you want to know, like, have they had experience in managing a crisis and what did that look like? You know, how did they approach it? What would they recommend for your brand? Um, and that's just, you know, it's one example of, of probably many things you'd want to ask about, but those kinds of questions are, are just as important for, for those folks to be able to respond to. Well, I should put a caveat there. When I say I would go to an outside expert, I really am thinking about the small, mid-sized company. I think when you're a larger size company, again, I don't know what the magic number is. There's a point when a company hits a certain revenue number that they can justify. They have a business case to bring that expertise in-house. And it exists for pretty much every function. And I don't know where that that number is. I don't know if you're a hundred million. I, I, I don't know where that is, but um, if you're that size, then yes, you're definitely going to have your own internal creative team because you need it not just for socials, but you have other you know projects that you're working on across multiple platforms. Well, I think it's great. I think you brought up a lot of great points. I think you've just confused me more than anything. There's so much to oh, do no. now. <laughs> no, Hopefully I just mean confusing. there's <laughs> no, not confusing. No, just, no, honestly, complexity. I think that's really what I I walk away with here is that there is quite a bit of complexity. And I think I'm still kind of left questioning how to measure success, but maybe that'll be for another time. Absolutely. Well, go back to your questions. What are you trying to achieve and, 
and how can you do it really well in one place? If, you know, if it feels overwhelming, those are, um, I think the, the simplest places to, to start. Tell us a little bit more about nine rooftops. I know you were just describing this, you know, kind of joy and happiness that you felt, you know, transitioning back into a creative environment and working on brands. Give us a high level overview of the type of customers and clients you guys are attracting and working with now. Yeah. So nine rooftops is uh, a fully, you know, integrated agency. We are very much, um, you know, driven by data and insights. We have a tremendous uh, creative practice, which includes actually a full service uh, studio, um, but just, a, you know, tremendous ability, I think, to create amazing work, but most importantly, to actually be able to really measure that work, make an impact, make sure that everything that we're doing, you know, whether it's something, you know, in my space and social media, or if it's something, um, you know, in, in television or another type of, of media form that, that it's actually really working and, and delivering measurable results to our clients. So um, that is right in line with sort of my passion points. So it's been a lot of fun to, to be part of the Nine Rooftops team so far. And from a client perspective, we work with a really wide variety of, of brands sort of across the spectrum. Um, I have been working a lot with um, some, some brands in the wine category lately, which um, has, has been a lot of fun to, to learn a little bit more about what they're trying to achieve. Um, but, you know, again, all across the, the spectrum from um, different healthcare um, entities, uh, all the way to, you know, uh, companies like a bell tire. We do, uh, work with Coca-Cola, um, just a whole, whole host of different types of, of brands that are, are really looking to, to leverage our expertise in, uh, in data and creative, um, and all of those other things. Is nine rooftops marketing, are they, in a sales mode, are they looking to attract new customers, new clients at this point? Absolutely. <laughs> Probably always. Um, you know, <laughs> certainly the, the um, new business uh, part of our efforts, that's always so important. Obviously, we want to really um, serve all of our existing clients um, in a capacity that's, you know, over delivering. That's what we're always looking to do. Um, but for sure, looking, you know, certainly to attract new clients. Um, I know that there are a number of um, different parts of the company that are also hiring. If, if there happen to be people in your audience that are, are listening and, and looking or curious, um, you know, definitely we're, we're in growth mode. Yeah, that's why I asked that question in that way, because yes, everyone does want to grow, but you truly have to have the internal staff and the infrastructure, right, to serve. As you said, you need to serve your existing clients quite well. So um, so if there are brands out there that are looking for that fully integrated marketing and, and content strategy, they should absolutely contact you. And, th <clears throat> and then, of course, from a, a talent perspective, it sounds like you guys are also hiring uh, your internal staff as well. So anything that jumps out, any particular roles you want to kind of mention, we can kind of push out into the, into <laughs> yeah. the internet. And <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, um, you know, certainly, um, you know, whether you're in the brand space and maybe looking for some help, um, even if it's on a particular thing, you know, if you're just looking for some help with some, some data analysis, um, you know, or media buying, like we can, do kind of those more ad hoc things too. 
um, or the fully um, integrated planning is also part of it. Uh, a lot of great info on NineRooftops.com. Um, and same thing on the hiring front. Um, all of our, our job openings are listed there. Um, I know that, uh, and I only know this because I've been, been helping to spread the word on social myself, but um, I know that we have an account executive role uh, out of our Chicago office or Chicago rooftop, as we like to call it, um, that's open. And, and I, that does have the opportunity to work on some really incredible brands and with a really great team. Um, and I believe I'm kind of more of the digital world, um, still looking for some UX support out of our Pittsburgh, uh, rooftop as well. So, um, probably a lot of others listed there, but I know that those were, were two, um, as well that, that we've been pretty focused on. Well, there you go, folks, uh, a, a company that's hiring and growing. And if you're a brand, you definitely need to connect with Sloan. And it totally makes sense that you would call that the Chicago rooftop. I mean, come on. It's Chicago. <laughs> they hang out on rooftops, drink beer, and watch the Cubbies lose. I mean, that's a tradition. <laughs> that's true. I hadn't thought about it that way. <laughs> yeah, that, I thought that's exactly where you were going. That's exactly what it. Chick Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, Sloan, this has been fantastic. You've really done a great job of kind of showing us all the different aspects, the questions we have to ask ourselves. We probably could have gone a lot deeper in some of these areas, but I think that this gives everyone a good a good basic overview of how to get started, how to manage their brand and get them out on the socials. Any final words or uh, pearls of wisdom you want to leave with us? Yeah, I think, um, you know, embrace uh, hopefully your own inner curiosity on, on social. If, if you're seeing a new thing popping up or a new platform and you're scratching your head, wondering what it's all about, check it out, you know, see, see what it, what it is. And, um, maybe it's not a fit for you in your personal life, but it might be a fit for your brand and, um, you know, keep that open mind. Excellent point. Thank you, Sloan. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. Great chatting with you.